right. So I'm Sarah, uh, Deandra Siona. Everything is Amber Deandra Siona, um, a.k.a. Saz. I, have I think it's many just names. too long. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's getting a little long. You can just call me Sarah. That's fine. Uh, and then for our panelists tonight, we have Alpha uh, and Mark and Leah. And tonight's uh, session is about a deep dive into role play. And I want to thank everyone for joining us uh, this evening. And thank you also for being on mute if you're not speaking or not a panelist. Um, I'll be moderating tonight. And also thank you for everyone who has contributed questions to the pool. Like some people I know may have put questions in there and we'll be listening to the recorded version later. And that's awesome. We've got like a good number of questions um, to get started. And of course, additional questions are still welcome as we go through uh, the uh, the session tonight. Now, just uh, some housekeeping again, your questions, please put your questions into like under GM seminars category, under GM 202 questions. Uh, you can just throw them in there and you can also upvote questions that you see that you really like. And then as your questions are getting answered, you might get excited and, or have some additional things to say. There is a channel directly above called Seminar Chat, and that would be the ideal place for you to carry on your um, background conversations. Uh, feel free to um, you know, keep contributing in there and continue discussion while we go forward. And again, do wel I, we do welcome your questions throughout the session. All right. So... Uh, let's see, we've got uh, Alpha, Mark, and Leah, and um, let's dive in. So I think I'm just going to start, um, <laughs> I think I'm just going to start with the first uh, question that has come up here. Sorry, I was mildly distracted by the um, comment about the Ed Sheeran gifts that need to stay in the seminar chat uh, <laughs> channel. If, if you're not familiar with that, this is, uh, this is how to make fun of Josh. <laughs> <laughs> in a loving way. <laughs> All right. So we the first question you, comes from <laughs> the first question comes from Dresden, uh, and the question is: What are your tips for making engaging NPC characters on the fly? Let's just—it's two-parter, but let's just start with uh, with that one. Uh, anyone got tips on making engaging NPC characters on the fly? I'm just going to put that out. Um, whoever wants to take that. That's a tough one. Going, going. You're kind of. <clears throat> I can take that. Yeah. Okay. I find that it's kind of easy to cheat by having like one character trait that's like really obvious, <laughs> and then it can kind of fall into whatever that they happen to be needed for. <clears throat> one character trait. So you, yeah. you have a list that you just have handy, and you say, "I need someone who can on the fly just fill this niche," or this is this feels like the right character trait to bring into this scenario to challenge them or make it like easier whatever a, you're a shopkeeper be really suspicious and if you stick with that one then it can kind of grow from there by the mm -hmm. time you're actually digging into them it's like why and how and everything but it starts with suspicious and that tells you how to act then until you figure out what else is going on with them Couldn't now interestingly that <clears throat> you would say suspicious because i feel like you might be a little suspicious <laughs> <laughs> just, no, just, nothing uh, just, personal uh, again, just, 
Uh, well, no, just just from comments uh, that I, I've I've heard Liam make in the in, in the chat, and you know, playing Amber kind of maybe does that to you. Um, that's a really Amber thing, yeah, yeah. That's a a very interesting um, tip about uh, like just keeping that one character trait, and I, I almost feel like um, like, and I'm thinking uh, a little bit of of, of you, Alpha, and we'll, we'll come to you as well, Mark. Um, I'm thinking of you, Alpha, in how you seem to just flow um like i'm not convinced that you have everything prepared in advance uh and i feel like there might be something that you're doing and responding to situations can you talk a little bit about that sure um first i actually did want to kind of uh you know add my voice to what leah said i 100 agree right like it, it, it's about like there is one concept and one thing right that is like the central characteristic of your npc um and if you've got that firmly in your mind it gives you the foundation with which to kind of go and riff off of the other stuff. Uh, so I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, when I am doing it, uh, you know, planning, as you say, I mean, either I will have an NPC where I've, I've linked it pretty strongly to what I am doing with the story. So, you know, they're already thought out. But when when I'm doing stuff, especially on the fly, right, and, and I, I just need, like, you know, random this, like, I do try not to just go with something generic. In fact, I generally feel that the more of a stereotype and more of a caricature um, I, 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 I can uh, convey, you know, whether it's good, bad, funny, crazy, sad, like whatever it is, really just kind of amp up that characteristic. And that's what makes the, the character um, memorable. And people will start to, um, I think, hone in on that. And, you know, everyone responds in their own way to different uh you know, I guess characteristics and yeah, no, for sure. That's, that's how I approach it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I, what I was trying to say is I feel like there's almost like a flow there. Like you pick the one thing that you're trying to uh, say, I'm going to pick this one characteristic or um, whatever it is, and then flow with that. Like, uh, like you say, build on it with, with the tropes and, and, and uh, just kind of feel it just naturally expand. Cause you, you have this thing that they just kind of grow from, like I, again, I say like I'm not really convinced that you necessarily have it all planned in advance. Some of them, um, I, I, I don't. But there's I, I mean, that, it's probably yeah. I don't know seventy percent, or I it's mm-hmm. I don't know maybe fifty fifty. Like I, I definitely don't write a whole bunch of stuff out. Right, it's more about a mm-hmm. broader plot, and I will have an mm-hmm. idea or concept in my mind with regards to any one character, and I just kind of mm-hmm. uh, you know go go with that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. really it's, um, one more thing I'll say is I, I, I try to keep pretty true to my, myself and my own authentic reactions, which is why sometimes my characters and and maybe how I speak and how I argue and how I think it's going to be really reflective of, of my personality to a certain degree. So Mm -hmm. I generally Mm -hmm. am not going to be able to be very good at doing something that's completely out of that zone. And usually if I'm doing that, it's some sort of, you know, over the top caricature of like, you know, the evil bad guy. Right. Um, but uh, if it's just your average NPC that you're using to move your plot along and, and give your, your character something to talk about, it doesn't stray too, too far from myself, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, Mark, can I come to you? Uh, do you have anything that you'd yeah. like to? Yeah, yeah please. 
Well, when I think about NPCs, I think about uh, two things. I try to think about two things. It's, there's a lot of things to juggle when you're DMing. I try to think of every NPC as a, a purpose and a personality. And we've talked a little bit about personality, how you manifest it. And, and when you can, you plan it. The question really was about for, for doing them on the fly. So when they're on the fly, you can still kind of do this. You can you can think about where did, where did the PCs come across this person? This person is in a bar and it's just kind of closing up. Um, and they've come in to find, you know, they're tired, just got into town. They want information. They want something to eat. They want a place to stay, etc. So it doesn't take a lot of rocket science to figure out, well, who is this person? Well, they're closing up the bar. There's probably one or two regulars there who are about to leave. So to, to kind of imbue that with something. So, you know, the thing I like to do is, is keep the characters guessing. Is this an important NPC or yeah. is this just a cutout, right? Totally right. Agree. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that's why that's why it's good to pick at least one nugget, right? Even if it's from a list of personality traits, the nugget that you're going to try and build around. And if you only spend thirty seconds on it, you only spend thirty seconds. But sometimes these characters can become really meaningful characters later on. And to me, that's the the kind of collaborative storytelling that I that I really love in role playing. Yeah. And that's and just to hear some. Sorry, that's go a, ahead. That's a really good point. <laughs> I'm just like, those types of characters are my favorite. Yes. In fact, the, the campaign I'm playing now, one of uh, one very, fairly popular NPC uh, was really, I'll be honest, was really created as a cutout to sit next to another NPC. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, and, and she's an awesome character now. She's... Uh, I, I based her off of Le- Leslie Jones, so you can just imagine what that's oh, like. Yeah. And that's, that's what I started from, right? Yeah. It's like, take a, make a really strong choice. That's probably another good thing that I've learned from improv. You can pick from a list of personality traits and try to make an NPC. But if you pick something, you know, throw a dart at a board, and it doesn't just land on, you know, suspicious or brooding. It lands on Leslie Jones. I mean, that <laughs> has a whole truckload of stuff that goes with it right or like christopher so, walken yes yes he's also another i've thought about him using him as the basis of uh, of an npc in fact more uh, cowbell just to kind of go on a, just to go on a tangent here when i make up purposeful npcs uh-huh. i come up with a, a list of several things i'll paste it into the stream a little later but i have a, a template of things that i try to fill in some of the blanks to yep. that help me for an npc that i'm going to play over several sessions to try and keep an even keel of what they sound like every time what they're trying to do and just just to roll back to something i was going to try and say earlier and in, in response to this question making a uh, an on-the-fly npc engaging <clears throat> think about why they're there and get them to do something interesting with why they're there. Well, they're closing up the shop. So when the characters sit down, have them interact with the virtual environment everybody's sharing and say, uh, oh, uh, you know, while they're having the, the back and forth about what have you got, is there anything going on in town? Have them say, oh, hey, can you, you know, to one of the characters, can you move your feet? I'm trying to sweep there, which gets people more immersed in their environment too. Can, can I add that's, to that? That's so interesting. I, I, I love so interesting that idea. It, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Siona. It, it just so intertwines with some of the other discussions that we've had on the channel about uh, making the world more real and world building and uh, creating engagement with specific characters in the party and, and things like that. Like it, the, it's, we're trying to talk about one subject, but it seems like 
all the subjects they they they're like layers mm-hmm. and they, and they yeah. build a more immersive experience so the more that you layer on the more that you as you said um at the beginning it is a lot to keep track of as as a gm so it's i guess as you develop that skill set and, and can expand your awareness then you can start to have in your mind okay so who is this character is there do i have a list of cues do i have a list of uh, characters that i can model this character after and do I have the interactions or ways of uh, engagement or describing them and their motivations as I, as I go through this? And I, I think that's very interesting. Let's touch on accents because I don't think any of us have yet. Um, I've, I've done almost 10 years of improv before taking a break. And one, one of the things a lot of people universally hated was having to try to do an accent. Uh, I understand a lot of people find that difficult. And sometimes um, people, when they try to do accents, find they they gravitate into the same thing, like you know, a Russian or an Italian. Or it's always or Scottish, like right? So, <laughs> what say for people who are who are looking at you know they're early on in their in their DM experience or GM experience? I would say don't don't worry too much about accents. It can come with practice if you really want it to. But there's a lot of other things you can play with, even without changing your voice into a, a language accent. Totally you can agree. change how fast or slow you talk, choose different kinds of words, um, you know, vary certain sounds in your voice, like how high or how low you talk. An emotional tone can mean a lot, too. You could have somebody who's completely bereft of emotion and somebody who's just on the verge of having a breakdown all the time. Whatever, mm. whatever you can play, whatever you can vary – that's your paint. Use it. Yep. Uh, can, can, can I add on to that one? And, and I really, yes, please do. Uh, Mark, I, I love your comment, encouraging people and saying, you know, like, because c- not everyone can do accents, right? Like, you know, some people it comes easier, like it, it certainly comes you know, relatively easy to me, but I also recognize that it's not for everybody. But the points that you made about <clears throat> changing something about the voice, maybe the timber of it, and, you know, the, the speed at which you kind of speak, you know, all those things can really reflect into the character um, and you know if you have some rogue and they're really kind of shifty if you're you know pitching your voice up a little bit higher you're adding a little bit more tension and excitement into that voice you can absolutely do that and then the converse you could have you know a, maybe a more mystical mysterious character and if you slow their words down and you pause and you really think through what it is that they're going to be say, be, say and be very deliberate and try to choose the right words and the right tones. You don't have to do an accent. It really is just going to come through uh, the tone of voice and some of these, uh, you know, these these verbal cues that are, are going to come out. Um, and uh, uh, the other bit is, um, you know, <clears throat> lowering, like if, if you're more tense um, and, and, and you can, even your body positioning, it, it can impact how the voice kind of comes through. So those are my little insider tips. That's a really good point, uh, Alpha. Um, the uh, the positioning of the body, you're right, like can also affect the voice and even the expression on your face as, as you're speaking too. You can it can come across as well. So uh, I think those are some great tips. Um, Leah, do you have anything you'd like to add on the uh, the question around accents? I can't do accents. Like that's just like a known problem for me. My sister can. I can't. So instead, I will use tricks like that. Like level of formality of language. Totally. can be really helpful. Yep. It almost gets you there. Mm. Like talking very like kind of speaking in 
speaking more formally or doing that art and doth and all that. (laughs) Doth thou thou speak in this fashion? (laughs) Yeah, that like gives you a good impression on who a character like uh, um, Sigrun is. And like (laughs) my character Sorrel, I'll I'll speak very like condescending. And, but mm-hmm. when I'm playing a character like the kid who's a street thief kind of character, more lowbrow, but also a little condescending, I'd wonder what that says about me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, uh, the one thing I'll add, another thing you could do is use catchphrases. Some of you have probably seen the, or recognized this trope in certain shows. Mm-hmm. So the, the catchphrases that, that you develop for a, uh, a character you can kind of imbue with the right kind of emotion and look for look for places to use them mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. and that will also give you a you know a, help you communicate to the player so who's talking and one one more thing on accents before we move on here um we talked a bit about different ways and that you don't necessarily have to do accents um but if you are doing an accent um, I guess maybe some of the tips would apply to this as well. But the question is, how do you make not all the accents sound the same? <laughs> so if you are trying to do an accent and you don't want them to all sound the same, uh, any tips on how to go about that? Uh, like, I guess I'm not for, very like, good at it, so I don't have much to say. Mm-hmm. But I would like have a – most of the pros I've seen have a particular phrase that they go to. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. sack of potatoes for an Irish <clears throat> accent, and if you start talking like that, it can be uh, – Oh, a, a roll into it, and it gets easier as you play with it. It's a bit of a two-four. Then you get the yeah. you get the phrase, and you get the um, the accent that goes with it, with that expression, and even some emotion that that comes in too. That's that's yes. a great suggestion. So, Leah, uh, uh, for, for Irish, it's sacco potatoes. Okay. I does, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> it's well, not I, a great one. No, and, 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 and you know but what? Like, uh, the biggest example I think of, like, is a character from uh, "This Hour Has Twenty Two Minutes" and how he got into <laughs> uh, John Cretchen's accent. And I can't say that because I'm really bad at it. And, and I don't remember actually what he said, but it was a really good example of how he pulled this voice out whenever he needed it, which for a good four years or so was blocked. Because it was a new show. Yep. So it's just a uh, uh, broad strokes applicability. No, I and, and I love that. In fact, it it that may help me kind of uh, uh, get out of the box sometimes. So one of the things that happens to me is usually uh, when I when I take on uh, you know one accent, you know, so say it like, and, and it happens tons with Scottish, right? So if I go into a Scottish accent, I find it very difficult to exit that accent, right? The mm. only thing I can do is just to kind of go back to my quote unquote normal voice. But then when I go back into another character um, and, you know, it tends to go back in, into the Scottish as well. And there's been times when I've done a Scottish one and I really need to switch to my character that is kind of Eastern European. I almost can't break out of it. So having one of these kind of catch words type of thing would really help. And I know one of um, the friends I used to play back, you know, way back when he used to talk about um, doing exactly the same thing. You have one catchphrase that helps you key into what the accent is. So he he said, you know, like lacquer box is something 
something that you could use for <laughs> Russian and it would be like lecker books, right? And when you do that, then you can switch because, you know, it is like, you know, you have to kind of turn your brain off and switch it to a different mode. So Leah, I love that. <laughs> kind of like sniffing coffee before you have your next taste. <laughs> just to clear the palate, <laughs> Yeah, no, right? it's, it's palate cleanser. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what it is. <clears throat> yeah, cool. Okay, um, I'm going to go to the next question here. Um, well, actually, I'm going to skip down to the next most upvoted question. And that actually happens to be from Leah. Uh, and the question is, what are some good ways to inspire players to role play with each other instead of just NPCs? Mark, do you want to start us on that one? Sure. I think it goes well with the next question that person asked. Okay, the next question is, uh, what are yeah. some ways to well, pull in player backstories and reward having interesting character elements? Right, because oh, I, love, I love to build my campaigns around the characters. Um, when I first have people create characters, I look to weave them right into the campaign uh, so, mm. so they don't feel like drop-ins, right? And when somebody joins midstream... Uh, I, I feel like I really want to do that too because I don't want to feel want them to feel like they were just kind of like stapled onto the rest of the party. So, how to inspire people to play off of each other? Mm-hmm. Other other than the you know the makeup you need in players who are interested in doing that, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I would look to put them at odds or in competition with Yay. each other, create tension between them. Um, because if I if I learned much from from all the people who taught me things like improv and writing and story structure and stuff, the fun stuff comes from relationships between the characters. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. soap opera style relationships, but oh, that's why those shows work. Mm-hmm. Is is mm-hmm. because from the relationships you can get. This person hates that person. That person's always playing jokes on that person. This person yeah. has a low intelligence and is always the butt of jokes. I, all, that's that's where the fun comes from, right? Um, yeah. So, and what I did um, this last time with my players, even more strongly than I did uh, for player for characters in the past, is I said, "Think, give a little bit of thought when you're making to your characters. Why, why would they meet together? Why would they go adventuring together, as mm-hmm. opposed to just pass each other on the street? And and right. if you're the the best joy you'll get is from this delicate balance between why are we adventuring together and are you freaking insane? <laughs> I know I know a fellow who wrote a lot of tournament modules and he routinely set up the characters exactly that way. He set them up for entertaining conflict. I, I think that the, there was something um, in there that you touched on as well about um, the drop-ins. Uh, and someone who joins late to the campaign, and I, I've certainly experienced that a few times. Um, and it's it's interesting what you say about the backstory, or the importance of the backstory, uh, also for that late joiner, and um, having that also be a way to. Uh, I'm inferring here, but it sounds like using that to also be a part of what creates that tension, and I guess also that interest, right? Yeah, I I find chemistry is is one of the toughest things about the kind of campaigns I like the most. And it, it doesn't always mm-hmm. work. Um, mm. I mean, we had somebody wanted to join recently, and I, I don't know, maybe it was a chemistry thing. Maybe it was a, any one of a number of other things. But I, I'm my goal is to have a group of people who are playing, who are playing for compatible reasons. 
I've right. played with pretty di- diverse groups, I should say. I have played with a couple of guys who had the scorn of most of the group. They were kind of role pl- sorry, rules lawyers and playing to win, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. playing the game like a video game. And yet we still included them because we were kind of an inclusive group, and we found mm-hmm. a way for it to work with them. We, you know, we kind of stretched our tolerances to their limit, but it did kind of work. But there are, I've seen recent examples too of, of cases where it didn't work out in a game because you got somebody who just isn't there for the same reason. So that's why I hinted at that at the beginning when I say inspire people to role play with each other. There's got to be something there to, to work with that. Right. That's all I'm saying there. So, so an interest in that to begin with, uh, or at least a, um, enough of an interest to um, be willing to explore it a little bit, uh, and a compatibility, I guess, of, of players mm-hmm. to like that they're not going to be bored because this role play is happening, and they'd rather just be like rolling dice and smashing things. Yep. Yeah, uh, Leah, do you have uh, anything you'd like to add to that? Yes, I will <laughs> like to do things like look at similar character uh, places where characters needed to be like those places where you have a planned NPC. And if I can, I'd like, I like to steal them from other characters background. <laughs> like if this character is looking for the killer of their father or whatever, and this character is looking oh, for wow. their mysterious parental figure, make that the same person. Yeah. And you got exactly. like immediate, immediate conflict but that depends on wow. if you have a group that's willing to let you play with characters in their background because sometimes people are not okay with that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it interferes on what they came to the table with their ideas of mm. what they're playing mm-hmm. oh can i just inject something into that sure. thought right there Please. um i mentioned collaborative storytelling before and I'm going to stitch this thought to it because you said that the player may not be willing to to let that part of their character background be tinkered with in that way. Yes. Uh, that is the kind of thing that I'm looking for in players um, when I go to set up a game. We're doing this collaboratively. So you have to be... We, we all learn... Well, hopefully, we've all learned <clears throat> at some age when we were in, in grade school to let go of some things. So when you when you play together, when the kids play together, when they do make believe, very often they, it doesn't occur to them to fight over it until they kind of get taught how to. So when one person states something that's true, like, well, I'm searching for the killer of my father, mm-hmm. nothing in their background says it can't be this other person in the party when they finally find out that's true, yeah. right? So you gotta be gotta be willing to give and take too. That's interesting. It's like that risk reward uh, piece. You give uh, you give up control, and you you see what comes back. Yes, yes. Yeah. In fact, some uh, alpha player. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was gonna say like so. So you, you can hear some of the things that are very common threads like throughout you know all of us, and kind of conflict and tension is at the heart of it, right? And uh, I mean, truly, whether it's going to be conflict between your NPCs or conflicts between your characters, it's those dynamics that really start to get people engaged, and they they start to have more you know skin in the game, and that's where where things you know get really exciting. But I want to touch on something, and you know, this is a 
little bit more about role playing games in general, right? So, you know, we, we talked about how there are definitely different audiences in, in, in different preferences in terms of how people like to play. And I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's a continuum, right? And so people are going to play for different reasons. And, you know, because of that, you're not always going to have the optimal chemistry. And I do think there's a little bit of self selection that are kind of going on. So for example, I'm in a game actually with, uh, you know, Siona where the, the group is highly, highly into the role playing aspect. And in fact, they almost try to, um, find ways to not uh, fight and, and try to solve it through, you know, charisma or, or charm or something like that. And we did have a, another player who was, you know, very uh, part of the group or, or, or part of the team, but he was much more into let's fight something, right? And when, when you know, we would go on too long, it, it actually became, you know, a bit of a, a problem for him. So I won't, I won't say that these, these issues don't exist. Um, but of course, you know, especially when you're just playing like a one shot or something, you do have to have uh, a certain degree of openness uh, that the, you know you're going to find uh, different when. Whereas a campaign, it's more about doing it for the long term, and that's where compatibility of sort of the shared experience and the desire for collaborative play. That's when that compatibility becomes really important. I'd just like to interject there, Alpha, like just an additional comment on that. Speaking of compatibility, and and also touching a little bit on safe space as well, because when you get into uh, a deeper role play. Uh, I think that also becomes uh, a factor and um, people will open up and they'll be more likely to go there if they feel safe. Um, and sometimes like, I think that that's what's being asked for to resolve uh, certain tensions because to play something out in character or to role play something could require that as well. And there's a certain amount of um, trust and an effort uh, that's also required to uh, just resolve a, a situation. If, if two characters don't see eye to eye, I think that there's also opportunity for inter-character conflict, even if the players themselves are are fine with everything. Um, the, the players still also have to have the um, the trust, the safe space, and the ability to, and willingness to work it out in character. So I think there's that kind of a compatibility as well. Yep. <clears throat> I know Josh has used the term like often social contract and we've often, we've talked in past seminars about session zero, right? So that everyone is sort of on the same page and you have an opportunity to have, you know, some input between the players and the characters, like what type of game do we expect to play? And I think especially as a GM, it's really important that you try to clearly communicate what that vision is so that, you know, beyond, you know, the opening games, people can start to assess, hey, is this what I really am signing up for and I, am I comfortable with that so that you know safe space absolutely that that's part of that whole thing and it, it's not an easy thing I think these things that you know it it's uh, harder in some cases and sometimes you get lucky but uh, back to Mark what you were saying about chemistry totally agree yeah I, mm. I highly recommend checking in with players at the end of you know every other session or so and say how's it going are you guys finding it kind of slow or are you getting the, you know, the role playing that you like to do? Just basically asking, did they get what they came for? Because you are all your audience. I mean, the, the, the GM too. And if you're not getting what you came for, why prolong the agony? You know, find out what it is and, and adjust. Yep. I think I'm just going to interject a question here. I think we've we're we're doing well for time, uh, and I think it's it's kind of the the implied question uh, for this whole seminar, which is. Why? 
why do we want to um, promote this idea of role play in the first place? Like, what is it that, that, that makes it like, why are we asking these questions about ways to inspire players to have role play? Why, why do we even want that to happen? To answer that. I, I think it's part and parcel of like, why play this sort of game versus something else? Like it's role playing game. So there's a balance of mechanics and actually interacting. So if if you're if you're you're not interested in the character dynamics, then it's it's not that much different than playing a board game. But <laughs> also, sometimes that's what people are here for. They want to hit the goblin with their sword. But mm-hmm. Other characters mm-hmm. want to talk to the innkeeper more. So that's yeah. a personal preference on one hand. And on the other, I think like it's collaborative storytelling and stories are kind of driven by the people in them. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you're going to be part of the story, why not be an interesting character in your, mm-hmm. in oh, your own That's life? brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. If you want, if you're going to be part of the story, why not be an interesting character in it? I really like that. And, and I, I was going inter- to go ahead, Mark. No, I just had a throwaway in there. Be, be an interesting character in your own story. <laughs> Yep. No. And, and in fact, that, that that's what I what I, I wanted to kind of play on. I, I wasn't even going down the GMing route, right? I was actually, you know, talking about it from a player perspective, right? So, you know, I know that when I play, I like my my character to have, you know, quite a bit of uh, personality to have, uh, you know, some major flaws. And it basically sets up, you know, through how I played that interesting dynamics, you know, with all the other player characters, right? So, you know, I do believe when I'm playing and not GMing, I almost have a responsibility as much as the GM to help with that collaborative story. And that's where really, where, where I think role-playing games are really magical, right? Because the, the GM, other than their broad story and in a couple, you know, random encounter tables, they don't know what's going to happen next. Like it's just as, uh, you know, much of a mystery to them. And, you know, the best times as a GM is when your players pull off stuff that you have never even thought of doing, right? That's when it's the best, right? And it just goes oh. down this tangent and you're like, what the heck is going on? But they, it's so much fun. And then, you know, people really get into it. So I, I really, th- those are the moments that I live for. But going back to like, why? Part of me, it's like, hey, when you're in kindergarten and you're playing make believe and pretend, it's just kind of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Which is not like, for everybody, right? After. Not, they, not for they everybody. They want to be the Sailor Scouts or the Power Rangers or whatever. Sure. They mm. want to join the game and they want to be Darth Vader. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that still makes me sound like secretly evil. I didn't want to be Darth Vader. I was Princess <laughs> Leia. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So apropos. <laughs> Something I uh, felt sorry, like Mark, did you have something earlier. to add to that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when you when you look at like why do we have PCs uh, or NP or characters of any kind? Yes, it's it's part of storytelling. Um, as a GM, I sometimes wonder if I have too many NPCs uh-huh. <laughs> because the way the way that I run the world is I try to give brain cycles to basically every every other thing that's happening, every other NPC and creature around that's germane to the story. I have to figure out what they're doing in the meantime. Life goes on in a room after the, after the players leave. Um, so in order to avoid 
excessive cosmic NPC bloat mm. to my campaign, and I have a lot of it already. I try to think of every NPC, what, why the hell are they here? Am I trying to advance the plot or one of several plots? Are they there just for atmosphere? Those are sometimes your, your off-the-cuff throwaways. Sometimes they're there to provide information in either one of those cases. Um, and sometimes, and I do this ca very carefully, they're there to boost the party because let's say you've got two or three players and the adventure they're going to go on, they really need a little more something. I generally prefer to make that a fighter and, and let the, the player party worry about things like magic and spells and stuff like that because it's just too much to... I For me, it's too much for me to manage an NPC in the party regularly who's a spellcaster, in D&D &D at least. At higher levels, it can get to be pretty cumbersome and, and really slow things down. Um, and, and I try to use those rules about what's the purpose of any given NPC in order to whittle out, do I really need this NPC here? Mm -hmm. Or does this NPC still need to be here? Or is it time for them to exit? You know, mm -hmm. they die, they leave, they find something else to do and, and mm -hmm. let the story focus on the players. I don't yeah, think I, I guess would find very like fun if there were 10 NPCs and two players, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that leads nicely into the next question that I want to go to, uh, going back to our list here. Um, yeah. This one from Josh. This is one that's been voted up a fair bit. Um, how do you strike a balance between quieter players not having a chance to speak and louder ones always stealing the show? And there's oh, a sub part I, I to that. I love that is, question, but I'm going to yeah, let the other guys get a, get a word in edgewise. <laughs> <laughs> the other, the sub question to this is: How can you encourage a party of non-role players to engage more in thorough role play? Break down the barriers. I, I feel like they might be somewhat related. Probably, yeah. Um, Mark, yeah. did you want to? Um, were you on a roll there? You want to take that one? Well, I, I can. I was going to say I was like going to let the other guys get in a word in edgewise. Yeah, giving everyone else a chance to speak. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yes, <laughs> we'll come to you as well. We'll come to Alpha next. How's that? And we'll finish with Leah on this one. Okay. Well, I I love the question because it's all about player participation. It's why did they come? They came to participate in something usually. Um, and, and so you, you want to make sure they get their chance to participate. And, you know, I think you mentioned introverts earlier. They may come and they just, you know, they, they're fine if they get 10% of the airtime. They just want to be there. They just don't want to talk a lot. So I do sometimes keep an ear out for somebody I haven't heard in a while, and I'll check in with them. And I'll say, uh, uh, and, 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 and I, I usually address the characters, not the players, because it's more immersive. Exactly. And I'll ask them, so what are you doing? Are you still over there? You know, I'm looking at the battle yep. map. Is that where you're still there? What are you up to? Just kind of prompting them to let them catch up. Yep. Because another way that I see the game working is multiple things happening in multiple streams, and you can only really follow one uh, at a time. I don't know how other people play, but I only play with one conversation at a time because if I'm the DM, I need to follow mm -hmm. all of them. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you're doing something over here for a bit with this character and the other side of the room, then we'll go over to them and let them catch up. And, and sometimes right. that can even be a matter of hours or days inside the game. So mm -hmm. it, it's I think that's one of the responsibilities of, of the DM is to try to make sure people get some, some fair time mm -hmm. and what... What fair is, like I said, is going to vary for different different people. 
Right. I think that's a really interesting concept. This, uh, like, cause I'm, I tend to play characters that are more extroverted, uh, cause I'm, I tend to be more extroverted when I get into these, I, the excitement overcomes and I'm just, yeah. <laughs> so the idea that there's people who actually aren't looking for that time, um, in the same way that, that, that I tend to seek it, uh, is, is very interesting as, as well, uh, to say I've that I've even had one player satisfied. I've had one player who gets on such a roll sometimes. Um, he's very dramatic, but as a, even as he, we all get older, he, he can really start rolling out of control. We had a moment where pretty much all like six or seven of us in the room were shouting at him, Chad, would you shut up for a minute so somebody else can talk? And fortunately, he took it. I mean, he took it well. He knows when he finally, you know, hits the brakes and he goes, oh, sorry, sorry. I just... But when yeah. he gets over a roll, he just doesn't realize it, mm. fortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Uh, Alpha, did you... Um, did yeah, you like th- th- this this one's really interesting. And I mean, it does actually hit home because I am most certainly one of these players who can go overboard no. and, and, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I, I mean, that's just my personality. Yeah. And, you know, I have actually yeah. had... I mean, even within, you know, KW Gamers, like I've been in games where I've had, you know, to had a little bit of a talking to from the GM. We were saying, hey, I need you to be respectful of the other players and and kind of ease back on your enthusiasm and stuff like that. And, you know, really me as a relatively experienced GM, I I, I should know better, Um, right? And Mm -hmm. so then going back to the responsibility of the GM, um, I totally agree, Mark, uh, you know, with checking in with people. And I I think it, it really is that, um, you know, everyone does get their turn. And even if you have, you know, one scene uh, and you have to interrupt that scene, you know, just put a pause in it in order to switch to somebody else and just focus the spotlight on them. It's just, it's part mm-hmm. of a deliberate strategy and you almost go around your list of people in, in your different scenarios and, and, you, and you try to, you know, give people time. But then, you know, back to the point about, you know, not everyone is comfortable with being in the spotlight, right? So this is, this is about, making sure you you know and you have those conversations with your players to understand you know, what it is that they are uh, you know comfortable about so I, I think it, it's it's mm-hmm. definitely a, a, a balancing game and uh, mm-hmm. yeah I, uh, you know try try to set it up um, um, so, so that you know you, people are sharing the spotlight and you're maximizing collaborative play mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Leah um, would you like to add to this I think it's kind of interesting because (laughs) I'm coming at it as one of the characters that is happy to just be quiet and follow along with the story Mm -hmm. for a while. I'm not an Mm -hmm. extrovert. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of interesting. Like, am I not participating because I am happy just listening for the moment? And am I not participating Mm -hmm. because I'm not sure what to do at Mm -hmm. the moment? And it's the DM is not a mind reader. So mm-hmm. it can be like good to check in with those characters, but also offer them something specific to do. Like, I would see. your character like to go and do this? The oh, moment, and that's if, a, that's if they say suggestion. no, then it's probably like they they want to be part of the group and they're happily just following along. If they, they say yes, it's like okay, that's something special for them that they can get involved in. And sometimes right. it can be nice to get the player that's. Uh, overly talkative and wants to be in the spotlight someone more wanting something from the quiet characters uh the quiet person's character Mm -hmm. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Set up the relationships between I like the that players. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you something. Like want something or things. need something for that other person, so it can kind of like both of you are now participating at the, the same amount. That's one solution, anyway. I, have, I have another. Thing you can do is you can give a, a spot or a listen check on behalf of one of those. <laughs> And say, "Oh, you notice something that no one else is noticing because they're all busy, right. you know, doing whatever." That's awesome. <laughs> That's, That's kind of funny. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, and see, like that translates down to mechanics as well. Um, and and mm-hmm. Leah, you you triggered a really interesting thought by what what you were saying. I, I guess you know, uh, role playing is not just dialogue. Right. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be just about, you know, talking and finessing and trying to convince something or whatever. Role playing right. is the description that you give your, your characters when they're d- doing an action. So for example, you know, for, for the person who is, you know, maybe they're not that comfortable with, you know, being charismatic or whatever, it can be about uh, prompting them to say, okay, how does your character do this? Or could you describe mm-hmm. your spell for me? Like, what does your your spell look like what does you know and, and and things like that right so it gives them an opportunity without having to uh amp up the social aspect just to you know get into character get into the headspace and sort of you know um make, make it a little bit more visual and, and and have them kind of describe that like i think that is as legitimately role-playing than than having to talk all the time yeah get somebody else to add flavor in here 100 percent Mm-hmm. But I, I think, Leo, like what you're also describing is also that character who sits back and watches and then just kind of languidly steps forward and does this thing that they've had all this time to think about because everybody was too busy just like, you know, chatting up the storm and they've actually figured out the, the solution. I think it's inevitably the paladin with the uh, the, the, the holy strike thing. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Okay, that's that's cool. I, I like that. And Leah, I I think that your comments as a quiet player are uh, especially uh, appreciated here. Um, uh, I, I think that was some really good um, good input. I'm gonna go to the next question here. Um, kind of a toss up between a few. Let's go to Tinker, who asks, "How do you manage a group where some are adverse to risk in adventure?" And uh, the remainder of the question, how do you manage to enjoy the session for GM and everyone else when some in the group seem extraordinarily preoccupied (laughs) with payout slash reward or lack of, quote unquote, appropriate pay and penny pitching with uh, vendors and NPCs? Wow. I'm sure there's nothing specific behind that. Yeah, I was going to say, right, like, nope, there's there's no story behind this one. <laughs> wow, this is a toughie. Um, God, that's a big well, problem. I found. I gave this. I I was. I looked at some of the questions ahead of time today, and and I scribbled down a few notes in this one. In short, my first couple of reactions were rewards, terrible choices, and examples. So <laughs> rewards. I mean, you may have to look at your campaign in your group and go. You know. At, have I got a good balance of what did they come for and actually giving them enough of that to, to keep the audience entertained? Um, maybe you need to leave them with choice point points at which all of their choices are just terrible. And, <laughs> and let them get used to, inside the game, having to choose between you know crap and a little bit less crap. Um, right. Or, or alternately, now, th- 
this takes a little bit of the, it can take some energy, but either another player or an NPC demonstrating how being totally out of control, possibly even totally incompetent, <laughs> taking <laughs> tremendous risks creates mm-hmm. something that's enjoyable for the audience. I don't know how many of you right. ever watched the, that 70s show, but there's so many things in D&D that Kelso makes an ex- excellent example for. <laughs> the guy is just hopeless. But he, the things he does are so entertaining because they're ludicrous. They're terrible ideas. They're terrible ideas the second time. They're terrible ideas the third time, right? There's, right. And, and that's where the entertainment comes from. The entertainment doesn't come from the safe choice, right? right? The entertainment comes from, you, you know, oh, let's we can either take the safe path or we can go across the rickety bridge. You know what? <laughs> let's cross the rickety bridge. But instead of all of us going separately, I'll carry my donkey. <laughs> Whatever. I, you know, blow it up. Make it interesting. And, and when point, people point see taken. that. Then mm-hmm. maybe maybe it gives them an idea of of how fun that can be. I think that's an excellent uh, excellent example, and and it uh, also speaks to a little bit of developing trust uh, that that it is okay to take risks. Thank you, Mark, for validating not just having my... the party cross the bridge and have everybody die. <laughs> <laughs> well, know, exactly. Party kill. <laughs> well, and even so, a total party kill doesn't always have to. If it looks like that, doesn't always have to end up being that. Okay, everybody fall. The bridge breaks and everybody falls. What was below? Oh, well, it was actually a river. (laughs) That's cool. Mark, I I was going to thank you for validating my most recent uh, D&D character, who's, you know, one of the low low wisdom characters and and kind of annoys everybody with his not so intelligent choices. Yeah, exactly. But uh, um, what I was going to say, so, so uh, you, you, you touched on, you know, like in the question touches on like some of the mechanical and treasure related aspects of certain games. I'm not going to say all of them, but D and D is definitely guilty of this, right? You know, it's like a Mm -hmm. video game when, you know, I got to level up and I have to get my magical plus one sword and things like that. So, how I try to address that, um, and it's definitely happening in my, my current D&D campaign, um, you know, I know I have certain players who are really after the mechanical advantage of, I don't know, you know, what magical longbow plus one type of thing, right? And, you know, they're spending like an excessive amount of time just looking for this because it's going to give their character, you know, a mechanical advantage, which is fun you know, for, for sure. But one of the things that I try to, to encourage and introduce is, you know, items that have a more personal meaning to the character, right? So the, 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 the effect of the magic item, for example, or even how it's described or, you know, some of its background ties into something important about the character and their motivations. And that to me is ultimately far, far, far more interesting than I'm giving you a sword plus one so that you can be better in combat. Yes, that's a valid approach mechanically. But again, if you throw that in and you've got a little, you know, doodad, doohickey backstory, whatever it is, it makes that magical item so much more special. And it's not just about a stat. And then people will start using that as part of their character and part of their story. And it just becomes more enjoyable in, in, in my opinion. So I'll go with that. 
Yeah, I have to uh, agree and, and say that uh, uh, Siona very much enjoys her uh, her her Seiko uh, all-in-one <laughs> device. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even really that useful, but it's part of your background, right? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, I'm very she's very emotionally attached to it, and I, so I think that just tying it back to that question, then that that is an interesting way to do it to say. You know, maybe you, the the risk reward isn't good enough just to get a bunch of gold, but maybe you can get this uh, thing that um, has a special appeal to your character, going to make your character more capable, or make them more cool, or more interesting in some way, and that might be um, something that uh, makes the adventure more worthwhile. Sometimes there's okay. Maybe I want to uh, go to another question here. Um, this one from Katie. Uh, Everything is Amber, Katie. Um, following up on creating tension between characters and Alpha, you were hinting at this as well a moment ago. So I'm going to come to you. Um, following up on creating tension between characters, do you have strategies for keeping it fun? I've played with people where tension developed into something feeling railroaded. Yeah, I had to think about this one. Um, there is a fine line between tension and, you know, I don't know, maybe poking the bear a little bit too much. And I do think at the end of the day, I mean, you have to be sensitive to, so, so people are not ever going to take something uh, personally, right? And again, try not to force the conflict and the tension on someone. Try to introduce the scenario or the situation so that it's almost the players who are creating their own conflict. Um, and I am, uh, you know, have, have played in a couple of games where, you know, it's, it, it, it isn't even necessarily the GM that's queuing up all the crazy stuff. It's actually the interpersonal relationships and ambitions of the individual player characters that, you know, get us into far, far more trouble than the GM mm. would actually just kind of do normally, organically. And the GM it, then... It sounds again like, it sounds again like you're describing your character. <laughs> Or possibly uh, mine. In, in possibly, I, I I wasn't specifically <laughs> referring to my character, but but definitely, you know, I, I you know, so I, yeah. I'm playing in in Duan's, um, you know, fantastic apocalypse game, and we are the yep. ones, like the player characters, we're the ones who cause all the trouble. Um, we we make things very <laughs> difficult for ourselves, um, and and the, yep. the level of tension, um, is between the players, uh, the player characters is actually ridiculous. But yep. I will say that this is a bit of a more advanced, more mature approach to uh, role playing, and it's not going to be for uh, you know uh, certain games. And you have to kind of approach that and be very um, aware of the capabilities of your players. Right? Are they able to kind of think in that right. space? Because otherwise, it's just going to it's it'll be too much. Going back to that sense of safety again, and and uh, the more that you know who you're playing with and how they work, and and that helps to create that too. I think. Hundred uh, percent. Leah or Mark, do you have anything you'd like to add to this? Yeah, I've had. Uh, we had a segment of the campaign I'm running recently where I actually let the players write uh, a short section of it. I said, "Well, you have to get from point A to point B. Why don't you guys narrate to me?" what happens along the way and who you meet and whatever happens. And I even gave oh. them, <clears throat> I even gave them, for example, a, uh, 
well, there's probably going to be a bunch of junk that happens between here and there. I will let you guys pick up one level from here to there. Ooh. You explain to me how you got that level. I love it. Wow. And, and that was entertaining because what they ended up doing was they actually ended up offering more loose threads in the campaign for us to follow up on mm. later. It was great. And it also gave me a chance to watch and see what are they interested in pursuing? What are they interested right. in, in focusing in on their characters? So was a, I think it was a good exercise in, in, again, collaborating the storytelling for the whole campaign. Right. And I think that's, again, that's a key point about getting that engagement in when there's when you're interested and you're tied to the game, uh, you have more skin in the game, so to speak. I think it's maybe mm-hmm. a little easier to start to play a more involved part in the game. And yes. that's really giving that uh, opportunity there. Mm-hmm. It's, if you think of it like a show, when the audience is, is invested emotionally invested in the show, then yeah. the highs and lows are bigger, right? The, the, right? the anger and the sadness and the funny are all bigger and deeper. Right, right. Oh, that's 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 a really uh, great tip. Um, thank you for that. Uh, we're close on time. Uh, so, Leah, just uh, going to ask you, do you have anything that you'd like to add to this question? going to tack on that it is kind of about pay, uh, making a little payoff somewhere along the way if you've got like all of these loose threads tie one of them off mm-hmm. even though you're not necessarily mm-hmm. thinking of like end game stuff mm-hmm. and it can be like okay oh. we've got that satisfaction now we can put more energy towards all of this other stuff we've got going on oh i see so it's it's kind of like letting the wave crest and like, like there's a natural flow. Yeah. It rises, it peaks. It comes, comes to down. a point where there's so much conflict and so much darkness going on. It's like you're at the lowest <laughs> point. It starts to stop caring about mm-hmm. things because you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. And you need to right. turn it. People need yeah, to have a shopping episode. Mm-hmm. You need a break. Oh, I like that. That's, that's really good. Um, are we okay for one last question? We're, we're just at time here, but we got one more question. We're okay. Um, how do you avoid overdoing the role playing and ending up with two NPCs talking <laughs> to each other? Um, and sort of related to that, and uh, slightly more well, a more loved question. It's got two hearts on it. Uh, what tools do you use in session zero or otherwise to figure out what level of role role play your characters are wanting and are comfortable with? And we can thank Brandon for these. Well, I think overdoing. Like- Go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say overdoing. Overdoing is a, is a bit subjective, and it depends on the group. Everybody, I've said it before. Everybody comes for different things, mm-hmm. um, and even given that, different moments in your campaign will be different too. But I've heard this phrase. Um, we use it in improv sometimes, where people are just three, four people standing in the line on stage, just talking to each other, doing nothing. It gets, gets kind of boring. And I can mm-hmm. imagine something similar for NPCs. Mm-hmm. If I were a player, I'd feel a bit bored if there were a bunch of NPCs talking to each other and had nothing to well, nothing to do. It really didn't evolve anything from the players. Um, well, there's a couple of things I'd say. Uh, if there's a lot of talking and not a lot of things happening, perhaps it's because the story needs to move on. Yeah. Whatever it is that's supposed to be happening, either in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of the overall story arc or just in, in the context of, you know, we're getting into this area and at some point we're going to leave this area. Why are we here? Why would we leave? That 
you know, miniature story, something in that story mm-hmm. needs to be, needs to move on and it's not, the gears are stuck, right? One of the mm-hmm. things that can help that if you're trying to provoke the characters to make things happen, that's what I prefer to do. I, as the GM, I want to set the table and I want other people to make things happen. 100%. That's what makes it entertaining. Yep. So mm-hmm. I, I will, if the players aren't doing it, I might take an NPC if I have that luxury, there's one in the room, and have them do something. Not say something, there's already been enough said, right? Have them come over, mm-hmm. you know, go and get another beer, spill their beer, you know, fall over right. dead drunk or whatever. Just throw uh-huh. on, only a little bit extra in the mix that's going to provoke mm-hmm. the wheels to go rather than just setting up a whole new conversation or whole mm-hmm. other open-ended question or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just the smallest nudge necessary to remind them, okay, <clears throat> time to move on. Yep. Right. Yep. Sometimes cool. you use NPCs to share information, but if you plan ahead, you shouldn't need to have a lot of NPC mm-hmm. talking. One last thing mm-hmm. I'll mention is that where there's long NPC speeches and stuff, mm-hmm. if they're not if all the details aren't germane at the moment, one of the things I've taken advantage of with Discord and with having uh, a, a website for my campaign is I, I will say, okay, well, then there's a coronation ceremony and the king gets crowned and there's a bunch of other things that happen. And I say, I'll post the details later. And then mm-hmm. between games, nice. like I'll write up a whole page that describes in detail, okay, yep. these were all the people here. These are their names, their titles, yeah. and these are the titles that were conferred on some other people here. And here's the ceremonies mm-hmm. that happen and all that other stuff. Because it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need that in the moment, but they could be interesting to somebody later. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. Um, can we talk a little bit about the uh, session zero pieces um, and how to figure out what level of role play you're, you're, you're players are uh, wanting or are comfortable with. Um, Leah, do you want to take that one? Actually, um, I don't have a... I, I find that setting up a game, asking people questions about their characters can both tell you how engaged they want to be and how much thought they've put into it already and can kind of get the process oh. flowing. So it's right. a... a multi-tool there mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a that's a really good point and uh, uh alpha i'll come to you um like i think that um uh certainly we've seen a lot of uh engagement in um uh like yeah, everything is amber <laughs> <laughs> well and and that that that's a, that's a good example right and, and amber is one of these like it is a it is literally a diceless game. So there, there's a mm-hmm. lot of things that happen kind of non-mechanically that are actually highly driven by the descriptions and the role playings that the player and the player characters are doing. Right. And so, you know, getting back to session zero, I do think it is about setting those expectations. Um, mm-hmm. now obviously if you're doing like a one shot, it doesn't matter. In fact, you should probably, you know, stay away from doing excessive role playing because you don't, you just don't have time for it in like a four to five hour game right it's really session zeros they serve their purpose when you're going to engage in the long-term investment of time for, for your characters right and you know you want everyone to kind of be on the same page and be very clear that this is what they're signing up for for right and if you're doing it with friends and then you know you you can sort of uh you know set the stage and it can be a collaborative thing hey guys and 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 girls like what do we want to do what what type of uh, 
that campaign do we want to play? But um, I realize that that's not always a luxury that people have. Sometimes you're joining, uh, you know, other groups, and that's why a session zero is very useful. And I think too, um, that's also the point where, you know, you can set some expectations about like, not everyone is going to be comfortable to play a, a great level of role play. Uh, and that could also be discussed at the session zero as well, right? Yep. Okay. Um, I think uh, we've gone through all the questions. We're a bit over time, but I think that was some really great um, discussion. I, I'm kind of sad that we got to wrap this up, guys. But um, just uh, thank you, everyone, for the great questions that we've uh, that we've had in here, and uh, uh, special thanks to our to our panelists, uh, Alpha, um, Mark, Leah. Um, Really, really great to hear from all of you and uh, anyone that missed this or would like to hear the questions or the comments again, uh, this will be available as a podcast and you can check the KW Gamers um, podcast uh, section for uh, the link to the podcast link afterwards. And thanks to Alpha also for uh, making that possible. Uh, thank you, everyone. <laughs>